for those of us who call Jesus Lord, for those of us who follow him, what we recognize most importantly is that God has given us the greatest gift of all to the whole world, to all people at all times. He has shown his love in a very tangible way. The gift is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It is good news. The good news that God loves the world so much that he gave us a Savior. And through this Savior comes this hopeful, this incredibly redemptive news. The book of Acts records a sermon that was preached by the Apostle Paul as he has arrived in Antioch of Pisidia with Barnabas. Now, it's the Jewish Sabbath, we're told, as we read this account. And the leaders of the synagogue end up sending a message to Paul and Barnabas. Here's their message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. That request is our request. We want those words of encouragement, don't we? We're tired of picking up the paper, turning on the news, and hearing all that darkness. We want to be encouraged. And like those people in the synagogue, in Antioch, years ago, we want to be strengthened and encouraged. So Paul does just that. He comes to the synagogue and he begins to share with them. Brothers, listen, he said. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. The encouraging word of hope is the gift that we celebrate every Christmas. Hope, we are reminded, is found in a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is, of course, the hope of the world, the light of the world, the Savior. What Paul declared in Antioch nearly 2,000 years ago, and this is an old, old message, It's still true today. Jesus is our Savior, our hope, our Lord. The question for each of us is simply, do you believe this? Because people can tell you all kinds of encouraging things. They can give you all kinds of hopeful messages. But if you gloss over them, if you hurry through them, if you simply don't believe them, what good does it do? So each of us must decide whether or not we believe this word of hope, that we have a Savior. Do you believe that Jesus is first of all and most of all our Savior? That he comes to save us from the darkness of sin? You know what sin is, those things that injure, destroy, and break our relationship with God, with other people, even with ourselves. God has come in Jesus Christ to save us from despair. And thankfully, from that constant sense that we must do something, anything, to earn God's love. Instead, we are given God's love as a gift. And I will say that we, followers of Jesus who are United Methodists, really put an emphasis on that gift. That is called grace. That undeserved, unmerited, no-strings-attached love of God. Grace is the Savior's gift given to anyone who will receive it. It's not withheld from anyone at all. In other words, God's love is not earned, it is gifted. And this is the time of the year when we celebrate gifts. 
We read in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in the 8th verse, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's not anything we do that earns God's love. We are told that because Jesus took our sins upon himself, we who were once far away have been brought near. It's an amazing story, if you really think about it, of how much God loves us. A love which has sought us out. And that's one of the distinctives of this faith. This is a faith, a love, where God came looking for us. Do you understand what a difference that is, what a powerful gift it is? Instead of us having to embark on some journey to find God, to earn God, to even be accepted by God, we find that God has already sought us out. And the first thing God says is, I love you. One of my favorite stories, and I shared this years ago with you, but it bears repeating, is from Max Lucado's book, No Wonder They Call Him Savior. He writes about Christina. Christina, Lucado shares, longed to leave her poor, very poor Brazilian neighborhood. Christina, like so many, wanted to see the world. So discontent with a home where she only had a pallet on the floor, a wash basin, and a wood-burning stone stove, she dreamed again and again of a better life somewhere else in the city. So one morning, Christina slipped away. When her mother discovered it, it broke her heart. Because her mother knew what life on the streets would be like for her young, attractive daughter. So mom, Maria, hurriedly packed to go find her daughter. On the way to the bus stop, she stopped, though. She went into a drugstore to get that one last thing that would be so important. She sat in a photo booth, closed the curtain, and spent all she could taking pictures of herself. With a purse full of those small black and white photos, Maria boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. And she knew that her daughter had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter, like many, too stubborn to give up. Lucado writes that when pride meets hunger, a human will do things that were before unthinkable. So knowing this, the mother, Maria, began her search. She went to bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with the reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes. She went to them all. And at each place, she left her picture. She would tape it on a bathroom mirror. She would tack it to a hotel bulletin board or fasten it in the corner of a phone booth. But what was unique was that just, it wasn't just the pictures, but on the back of every picture, she wrote a note. Now, it wasn't long before Maria's money and the pictures ran out, and Maria had to go home. And you can imagine this weary mother weeping on the bus as it began its long journey back to her small village, and her, her daughter is not there beside her. Lucado continues that a few weeks later, young Christina descended the, prayer, the stairs in the hotel, the seedy hotels that she was staying in. 
Her face was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken because her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she longed to trade those countless beds for her secure pallet. And yet she understood that her little village was in far too many ways too far away. Essentially, there was no going home for her. And then she reached the bottom of the stairs, and her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again because on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes then burned and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed that small photo and held it. Then she turned it over. On the back of that note was a compelling invitation. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Whatever you've done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she did. If you were to ask, why did God become one of us? Why did he come in such a unique way as an infant? I would say that God came to make sure that you and I would look up and see a familiar face. A face of love, mercy, the face of salvation. And God came so that each of us would hear that invitation. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. It is Jesus, our Savior, who has done this for us. We are invited to receive the gifts of his love, the gift of his salvation. It's Jesus, the Savior, who has done all this, and God has done this in the most extraordinary way by offering unconditional love, a home, a relationship where salvation, forgiveness, and peace abound. Why would anyone not want this? Why would not anyone embrace him as Savior? And especially the love that he offers. For the love and the mercy of Jesus is not complicated. It is not hard to find. If you know the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 looking for the lost sheep, you know this story. That God left heaven and came to be one of us. Paul reminds us that God has made the first move. That God has gone the whole distance to find us and to bring us home. This is the story of Christmas. And what in just a few days we will be celebrating with music and light and love with the proclamation. In Colossians 1 we read... For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Those are not small, randomly chosen words. God has rescued you from the kingdom of darkness. 
and transferred you into the kingdom of his dear son, the son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Do you know what that word forgiveness means? Scripture is very clear that when we are forgiven, they are not just forgiven, but they are forgotten. There is no memory, no record. It takes us, though our sins have made us scarlet, sort of like these deep red poinsettias, and made them white as snow. The stain is gone. We are told that God removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. I can't even comprehend that. Nor are we supposed to. Rather, we're to receive it. Of all the gifts, of all the gifts that you might receive this Christmas, I pray that you will accept this one. That you will come home. That you will embrace his love. That you will confess your need for him and follow him. That you will love him with all your heart. For after all, he is our Savior. Let us pray. Loving Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of yourself. And that gift comes with the most precious of all, the things that we need. Salvation, mercy, peace. It is the expression of how much you love us. Thank you, Lord, for being our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me share with you this benediction. Brothers and sisters, we have been given an incredible gift, the gift of relationship. We have each other. We have family and friends. We have our community. We have this church, the body of Christ. But we also have that incredible presence, the loving God who created us, who walks with us, and one day will bring us home to his glory. He is our Savior. So go with that gift in your heart. Share it with others as you go in peace and go in love. Amen.